This is Liam Hendricks and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am extremely excited to be excited uh, extremely excited to be excited. That makes absolutely no sense. I'm stupid. One person who's not stupid is somebody who I'm going to be introducing on this podcast. It is a very important episode of Crosstown Crosstalk. Why? Because, yeah, baseball season's going on. I believe, according to a good source of mine, that tomorrow is going to get absolutely banana lands in the world of baseball with the, the deadline for arbitration and all that kind of stuff coming up. It's going to be a wild and banana lands type of day. So everybody needs to make sure they're paying attention to that. But for now, really, the only news in the last week is that Carlos Correa signed with his third team of the offseason and has lost over $115 million you know, due to his ankle issue and failing two physicals. And now he's back with the Twins, who he was with last year. They still came in third place. Are the White Sox going to be better than the Twins? We have a whole offseason to talk about that. I'm going to pretend not to care about it today because we have big news in town. This show is called Crosstown Crosstalk because it's supposed to be the White Sox and the Cubs, you know, talking baseball, bringing the whole MLB into it. But there's another team in town that's just extremely important. And I know Chicago fans, fans of the White Sox and the Cubs, they all cheer for the Bears, unless you're a weirdo Packers fan. But get out of here if you're a weirdo Packers fan. The Chicago Bears, there's nobody I'd rather talk to them about with than my personal friend and the director, producer, everything involved with the Barroom Network. Of course, I'm talking about Aldo Gandia. Aldo, how we doing? I am doing great. I am so looking forward to this next 45 minutes to an hour talking uh, Chicago Bears and really whatever you want to talk about. You and I engage with each other a lot, but a lot of times we don't get a chance to talk sports. And uh, and so when you uh, called me yesterday and said, hey, I'd love to have you on to talk about the new uh, uh, the new Bears season coming up 2023. And of course, the exciting news today about Kevin Warren. I said, yeah, count me in, brother. Absolutely. Aldo, you just made a really good point to me. We talk quite frequently we talk at least three or four times a week we don't ever talk about sports and we're hardly ever live on air together that is true that is true <laughs> so this is a unique opportunity for me and i'm really looking forward to it thank you absolutely likewise of course thank you for everything you've done for me and my family so i appreciate you um let's start let's kick it off with the big news obviously today the chicago bears announced we knew for a couple weeks that this was a possibility and that ted phillips was retiring after 40 years with the chicago bears as their president and ceo and today we learned that the commissioner of the big 10 kevin warren is going to be the new president and ceo of the chicago bears he is the fifth person 
to hold this position in the history of the Chicago Bears 103 years. He is the first person to be hired outside the organization to be brought in for this position. And now the Chicago Bears, for the first time in franchise history, have a black person as the president and CEO. They have now a black quarterback, a black GM, and a black president and CEO. Times are great for the Chicago Bears. That's a diverse organization now. It's wonderful. What are your thoughts on the hire? Yeah, I got to tell you, I uh, first became aware of Kevin Warren uh, in, in a deep way about almost a year ago. He was a, a profile on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble, and he did a 20-minute feature on this guy. And I was super impressed by the man and by what he has accomplished Make no mistake about it. This guy comes to the Chicago Bears organization loaded with experience, know-how, and knowledge. I mean, you look at this guy. Besides being the Big Ten commissioner, he was the former chief operating officer for the Minnesota Vikings. He also has three or four law degrees, including a, a law de uh, excuse me degrees, including a law degree from the University of Notre Dame. He's got a master's from Arizona State University. He was a player agent. He was an agent for several players, including Chris Zorich of the Chicago Bears. So this guy has had his hands in a lot of things. He was the personal lawyer for the uh, I think they're pronounced uh, Will family, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings. And he was the one that advised them to uh, to buy the Minnesota Vikings. And he was the one that overlooked the uh, the uh, uh, construction of First Bank Stadium, uh, which by all I've got several Vikings fans who tell me it's just a sensational place. And it could be the model for what the Chicago Bears want to build in Arlington Heights. So this guy has the qualifications. He has had relationships with players. He has had relationships with NFL teams. He's worked for two or three other NFL teams as well. He's got leadership uh, uh, experience with the Big Ten. Uh, he's got everything involved, plus his own personal story is so inspiring, Vinny. Let me tell you, when this guy was a kid, he was riding his bike and he got, he got run over uh, by a car and it was a serious, serious accident. He spent over a month in, uh, in the hospital in critical condition and the doctors told him he may never walk again. And one of the doctors said one of the ways actually he asked the doctor, what are what, what can I do to to get better? And the doctor said, one of the things you can do is walk, try to walk in a swimming pool, do exercises in a swimming pool with your legs. And so he told his dad, dad, can you get me a membership over at the gym so that I can go visit the swimming pool and so forth? And his dad thought, you know what, that's going to be such a hassle for me to drive you there. All His dad built him a swimming pool in the backyard. And that kid on his own with his own uh, strength of will got himself back in shape where he became an All-American basketball player in college. So that to me, you know, is just super exciting and inspiring and tells you the type of man Kevin Warren is. I'm super excited about him being a member now of the Chicago Bears organization and setting the course for this organization for the next 10, 20 years. This guy knows football, so he'll be able to uh, uh, sit down with Ryan Poles and have uh, excellent conversations, challenge Poles on, on many aspects of Poles' rebuilding plan. So I think Chicago Bears fans should be really, really pleased with this decision to hire Kevin Warren. Absolutely. It sounds like from a young age he had – 
you know, the ability and the wherewithal to do what he's got to do to better himself and his situation. And it kind of sounds like it set the tone for an entire life of leadership ability. And it came to show with all the, you know, stuff that he's done in the past. Does it mean anything to you that two of the three teams he's worked with in the NFL up to this point are division rivals? He knows the division well. And the one team he hasn't worked with is the Green Bay Packers. So that might be the one team he has the most disdain for going into this whole thing, which I think is very important for anybody in charge of the Chicago Bears. What does that whole thing mean to you? Yeah, you know, that's a great point, uh, Vinny, because you want somebody as the president and CEO who knows the history of the NFC North, knows the history of the four teams involved, knows the fans' relationships with those teams, knows that the fans have a really strong rivalry with all of those teams, especially the Green Bay Packers. It was one of the great moments uh, of the Lovey Smith tenure when he came to the Chicago Bears at his opening press conference, he said one of his highest priorities was to beat the Packers, and that fired up Chicago Bears fans. You know, I don't think that uh, that knowledge is going to help him in terms of figuring out ways to become a better organization. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, a better organization than those organizations, but at the same time, he knows what this means to Chicago Bears fans and doesn't treat the, our division rivals as just another team on the schedule. Hey, we play those teams a total of six times every season. That's the possibility of six victories. I learned that from Mike Ditka. You have to start by building a team that can dominate the North, dominate the competitors in your division. If you got a 6-0 record every year because you're cleaning up the division, that's a good thing. And so the fact that now our CEO, CEO and president of the team is well aware of, of uh, the rivalry, well aware of the importance of that, and has some background knowledge, as you, as you said, because of its exposure to those organizations, that's a great thing. You make a good point. I believe they said Patrick Mahomes is 14-0 on the road against division rivals in his NFL career, and you've seen the success that he's had with that team. So I think you make a great point there. It's obviously very important. Now, a lot of times president and CEO – People wonder how much football influence they're going to have. How much football operations are they going to be a part of? When Ted Phillips was in charge, we wanted him nowhere near the roster, nowhere near the field. They've had, you know, stinky GMs for most of his tenure as well. So that didn't help the situation by any means. But how involved are you projecting Kevin Warren to be involved with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and all of their staff when it comes to building the on-field product of the Chicago Bears? It's another great question. You know, uh, when I worked for a major corporation and I took uh, leadership courses that were taught by PhD, Stanford professors and so forth, one of the things that they advised us uh, as directors of the company, uh, executives of the company is to, when you first come into uh, any new organization, you're hired for the job, you should spend the first uh, 100 days collecting information about what is going on now with the organization because you can't come in and immediately start to uh, make changes without first learning what already exists, what are people doing, how are they doing it, collecting all, all of that information, and then you start the process of planning for change. Or if not making any changes with the general manager, blah, 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 then you start then to 
advise them because you've already collected a base of information that's going to help you become a better executive, a better leader of an organization. So I truly believe his start date uh, reportedly by one of the reporters, this isn't official yet, at least as far as I know, is that sometime in April, he's going to come into the organization. So that's just before free agency. Uh, which is the next huge player acquisition period for the Chicago Bears, January, February, March, April. Actually, it's just after. I take that back. It's just after free agency. So I doubt that he's going to have a – he will already have – Ryan Poles will already have his marching orders from uh, in terms of fiscal responsibility from Ted Phillips. And then once that transition is made to uh, – Kevin Warren, he's now going to assess what is going on with the draft, what is going to go on with how the team practices, uh, strategy and all that stuff. And then he will clearly start to have input over those things. I don't know, frankly, how much of an input, but what I am really encouraged by is that he knows sports. He knows athletes. This guy is no dummy by any means. The biggest, but the biggest, uh, positive that this guy is going to have, and I know you're going to ask me about this coming up, is from the business side. And so when you run a multi-billion dollar operation, you've got to know the operation you're running. you got to know the landscape. The NFL is what I'm referring to when I say landscape. You've got to know college football and the talent that's coming through there and how it's coming through there and working with the NFL and the rules and competition committee to make things better and so forth. So this guy is fully, fully equipped to do all of those things. And I, I, I highly, highly believe that he's going to come in here and, and survey everything. And then after a few months, start to, to start to put his stamp on the organization. Absolutely. Now I want you to refresh my memory on something. I believe this is more of a two part question. He ran the big 10 from 2020 to 2023, you know, right now, basically. And I think the big 10 mostly thrived under his, you know, leadership and they got multiple teams in the college football playoff and we've seen teams, you know, ascend and, you know, it's just been really good under him, in my opinion, in basketball too. But, you know, football is what we're talking about here. Was he the gentleman that spoke with the president of the United States back in 2020 when they were trying to get the Big Ten back into being able to play so that they were able to play enough games to qualify for the college football playoff? I believe he was involved in that to some degree, if I remember correctly. Yes. A lot of uh, some of his critics will point to how he handled the pandemic as commissioner of the Big Ten, um, canceling the season at first. And they will point to that as that being a big strike against him. He has then since said that he has no regrets about that because he made that decision based on information given to him by the Centers for Disease Control and other health officials. And he said, my highest priority, first and foremost, beyond anything, beyond making money for the universities, is to protect the players from any type of health issues, health concerns. So guided by that is why he decided to uh, cancel the season. Once more information became available, he then started to react to that new information and try to get the season going again, which he did somewhat successfully. So I'm giving him a pass on how he handled the pandemic because, frankly, uh, even our healthcare officials didn't know what the heck they were doing with this new virus, uh, this new coronavirus. And so we're still learning things today, years later after that. So, uh, yes. Uh, 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 Mr. Warren has had uh, influential meetings with the 
president of the United States at the time, industry leaders. Um, one of the big, big uh, accomplishments for him with the Big Ten is bringing in some Pac-10 schools and expanding the Big Ten. Um, he also wanted to draw a bridge towards the players, college football players, and helping them to get paid. I bet you there's nobody more upset than college football players of the Big Ten who were looking forward to Warren leading the way to get some of the players compensated for their efforts on the football field and getting more uh, medical resources for injuries that might last into their adult years, their, their senior years, and so forth. They're going to lose out on Warren, who was an advocate for players, uh, but it, again, you know, it's a capitalist society. We got them now, the Chicago Bears team, fans, uh, organization. We have them. And again, I'm super excited by this. I am too. You kind of, to me, you said that was like a thing critics have against them, the whole canceling the season. Okay, he canceled the season with the information at the time because of what was presented to him. And that speaks to me saying, okay, Regardless of what people think, all he cares about is the human aspect of the people surrounding him first and foremost. And then it also showed me that as more information became available to them, he has the ability to adjust. And, you know, he just wasn't set on one way, whether it be, you know, where the left normally lean or where the right normally lean. It was just a matter of adapting for what was most important to the people around him. And it had no agenda or anything like that. I, I think that was absolutely wonderful. And I'm happy to have a guy like that leading the Chicago. Bears. Now, one thing that is kind of big with the team right now, it's the probably the largest conversation surrounding, well, now it's the second largest thing surrounding the team, you know, based on the events of the final week of the season, but the stadium. Obviously, uh, Mayor Lightfoot and her crew in the city, they're trying to keep the Chicago Bears in Chicago proper. While most people that are a fan of the team and want to see them play in a stadium that is not a piece of garbage, they want them to come to Arlington Heights and listen, I'm indifferent on Soldier Field. I would prefer it be, you know, a better, nicer stadium. I've been to Atlanta. I went to an Atlanta SEC championship game and I was like, the Atlanta Falcons play here. But a team like the Chicago Bears, one of the most historic, one of the teams that invented the NFL, don't get to play in a stadium like this. I'm like, this is not good. And, you know, they showed remodels of what they plan to do to Soldier Field if they stay in Chicago. Building a roof doesn't solve much of the traffic or the parking issues, um, stadium accessibility. But if they come to Arlington Heights, they'll be able to host a Super Bowl, a WWE, um, WrestleMania, a college football national championship, a Big Ten title game. There are so many things they could do there. I'm wondering what do you think of that and what do you make of Kevin Warren's ability to make the proper decision for the Bears when it comes to their relocation of a stadium or lack thereof? Yeah, this is perhaps the biggest reason Warren moved to the top of the Chicago Bears organization list. This to me tells me this team is really committed towards finalizing the purchase of the property in Arlington Heights. I think it's 327 acres of land that they can build not only a state-of-the-art stadium, but also hotels, uh, 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 restaurants, and uh, uh, entertainment districts and so forth. And that would all be owned by the Chicago Bears. So you're talking about an or, uh, uh, an organization ranked by Forbes Business at being at about a near $4 billion value, now skyrocketing. The Bears are going to spend 2 or $3 billion on this. That The, the value of the Bears uh, is going to increase almost 
double the amount, maybe triple the amount. Who, who knows what it is, but it's going, you know, the bears would not be going into this endeavor if it wasn't because there's going to be a substantial increase in value for the organization. And if they decide to sell to a, the CEO of Amazon, he's going to have to come up with $10 billion or they can just sit back and, and look at all the riches this new property is going to generate. Again, nobody is more qualified to step in and take over the reins from Ted Phillips on this operation. And frankly, Ted Phillips, to me, in my opinion, did not do a good job in working with the Chicago Park District in the remodeling of Soldier Field um, and did not do a good job of of trying to get the upgrades to Soldier Field done earlier than what the, the uh, Merrill Lightfoot is now very late in the game and in my opinion too late is offering. Uh, these are the renderings of what uh, the Chicago, uh, the city of Chicago and Lori Lightfoot has uh, suggested. Let me uh, go back a little bit and get uh, a better image for, for people. Um, yeah, this is good. Um, so th this is what it looks like and it certainly is appealing when you, when you take a look at that. It's in Chicago's uh, 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 the South Loop area with already built-in entertainment areas, the park district, the museum campus. It certainly is a beautiful concept. I, I have no argument with that. But the problem is, is that Mayor Lightfoot, and some would argue that this wasn't her only mistake in, uh, in, uh, in politics, she just came, uh, and, it, and it's surprising to me because she's a huge Chicago Bears fan, but she just came to the party way too late. And the Chicago Bears have already informed her that they are not going to negotiate with her. This was before that rendering was issued. So, again, this is a Hail Mary on her part, but that they were not going to negotiate with her. They were, go they were going to work with the city of Arlington Heights to build, to try to get their approval uh, and to try to uh, finalize the sale and then start the plans for building. So they've been going through due process. And this will, uh, I I'm sure with, uh, with uh, the new CEO, Warren, coming into place, that the, the actual sale of that property isn't going to happen until after he is here. I doubt highly that the Bears are going to uh, finish negotiations on the sale and, and finish making decisions without the guy they hired to kind of lead that project. So this is still years away. King Pookie uh, in, the, in the chat asked, when do you think that this stadium will be done? I think it'll be 2026, the earliest, and could be as long as 2028. As long as they get it done, as long as there's minimal tax investment. You know how um, uh, out in uh, Los uh in Los Angeles or Las Vegas, I'm forgetting which one, but they had an arrangement with the NFL team that the investments made by taxpayers would be fully paid back by the NFL and the, and the NFL team. And so that's the way to approach this. I know, Vinny, you and, and, and me and my family, and I'm sure everyone else doesn't want any tax money going to rich organizations to pay for stuff. If they want, to, if they want a loan uh, to pay for the infrastructure and so forth, I'm all for that. But um, and so hopefully Warren, with uh, with his uh, uh, empathetic approach to, towards business, will uh, not want to foot the bill on taxpayers, because if 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 that's the case, then I'm going to be upset at, at, about my excitement that he's now a member of the Bears. Absolutely. I agree. The easier to do it, the better. 
obviously it would be nice for the Bears to play in a state-of-the-art, you know, stadium like that. You know, we watched the national championship on Monday. It was a dog pile of a game, but it was really pretty to look at SoFi Stadium and be like, wow, can you imagine if the Chicago Bears played in a stadium like that? You know, even if it's in Arlington Heights, it's not that far from Chicago. It's not like it would be that big of a deal. And people talk about, you know, changing the name. They're not the Arlington Heights Bears. Google how many teams actually don't play exactly where they're, you know, they're designed or not designed where they are branded to be from. They're not the Santa Monica 49ers. They're not the New Jersey Giants or the New Jersey Jets. You know, it's the New York Jets. It's the San Francisco. They would be the Chicago Bears no matter what. Skyler did make that great point. Even with the Renner, there's far more incentive to leave the city for Arlington Knights. Yeah, of course there is. There's definitely it'd be more accessible it'd be easier to get to the stadium would be larger and better and a lot more state-of-the-art it'd be prettier for television to be prettier in person so hopefully kevin warren is able to lead the way on that it's a really exciting time for me i hope it does get done because not because it's around the block from where i live either because that's just an added bonus but you know now we could get to the football side of things and the Chicago Bears, they went 3-14 and 14 this season. They had the worst record in the NFL. They have secured the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. I did listen to you and Dan. I listened to the entire episode, that one you guys recorded from the hotel room. I actually thought that was really funny. And, you know, I, I actually appreciate the way you guys went about that video. It was kind of just like, it reminded me of like talking at the bar, except you guys turned on the camera. It wasn't official. Neither, neither of you were in your setup or anything like that. It was just you guys sitting at a hotel room table. Thought it was brilliant. Just wanted to throw that out there really quick. But you guys were peeved about the way that the game went down and the way they finished the season. And it didn't sound like Dan Aguirre had too much appreciation for what was going on with how they benched Justin Fields. I also listened to you and Mike North. Mike North pissed off about – how the Bears sat Justin Fields, even though he was 60-some yards shy or whatever it was, from breaking Lamar Jackson. We're talking about Lamar Jackson, an MVP in this league, top 10 quarterback in the NFL, a record that he set just a couple of years ago. What do you make of the season overall as a whole? And then you could dive into what you thought about that last game of the season that was just an absolute debacle. Well, I anticipated this was going to be a really tough season because the Bears were clearly signaling that they were going to rebuild. That was uh, signaled in the opening press conferences when Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus said, you know, what Ryan Poles said about Matt Eberflus is, I asked Matt, are you afraid to play rookies? And Matt said, I am definitely not. That's code speak for we're going to get a lot of young players in here. We're going to test them out. And then um, uh, uh, Khalil Mack was traded a month or two later after uh, the hiring of Poles. That was another huge signal. And then uh, in season, the trades of Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith uh, all told us what this season was about. It was a tank job to get a high draft pick. We can't deny that. You know, the coaches were playing to win for the most part during the season. But once they saw that the number one overall draft pick was within reach, it is clear to me. You can't convince me of otherwise. You, you'd have to really go out of your way to convince me. I shouldn't say uh, I wouldn't close the door entirely, but it was clear to me that they were tanking. They wanted every opportunity to win, uh, to lose and get this first overall draft pick. Now, the problem is, is that this is not really the greatest year to have the number one overall draft pick in the NFL because there isn't a one player. If you ask 10 different people who should be the number one pick in this draft, I think you're going to get five, six, seven, maybe even 10 different answers. 
So that's the issue is that, you know, you don't have a Peyton Manning coming out. You don't have a Trevor Lawrence coming out. You don't have a name, a Miles Garrett coming out who people will say, this is, this is, this, this number one pick is valued so highly because the superstar that's coming out is a can't miss player. Now, having said that, there is still going to be a market for that number one overall pick. And with where the Bears are right now, I would hope that Ryan Poles is going to start helping to create that market. It's like, you know, calling up other general managers and saying, hey, I just got offered a, uh, a trade for my pick. What do you think? What, do, what would you offer? Even if he didn't get the call, start creating that market. Start talking to agents and leaking out that the Bears have been looking at quarterbacks such and such. Create chaos in this marketplace so that by the time the draft arrives in late April, he has got 10, 15 different offers for that number one pick and then make the best decision as to how to build an organization, a winning organization that can be sustained for year after year after year. What we don't want, and this is, and this is exactly what polls is avoiding. He's not into this uh, trade all your assets for Matt Stafford, win a Super Bowl, And now everything is falling apart. The head coach is leaving, you know, superstar players want out. It's a mess there in, in the Rams with the Rams. And I asked people, would you, I'll ask you Vinny, if you could get a Super Bowl in 2024, and you were told it's only going to be one Super Bowl and then the next 50, 60 years, <laughs> you guys. Or if you the, the, the choice was you can potentially get multiple Super Bowls, but the process to get there could be three, four years of three and, thir- three and 14 seasons, five and whatever seasons and so forth. Because that's what the Bears are doing now. They're taking a methodical approach towards building a winner that can be sustained over year after year after year. You just can't do that overnight. Overnight, you get the Rams. Uh, So what would you do, uh, Vinny? I would certainly take the sustained success with chances at multiple Super Bowls. Now, the difference between them and the Rams for me is they did have a long period of sustained success, and they were on their last whim. They had Aaron Donald was, you know, reaching the tail end of his prime and they had running backs that were good. Obviously, they, you know, made the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, that was after the Stafford trade, but they already made it to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff and they lost to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They basically were rebuilding starting in 2023 regardless if they won the Super Bowl or not last year. You know, they were in serious danger. Who's a great team in the last 10, 15 years that didn't win the Super Bowl? I mean, there are a couple teams. The Bengals, or not the Bengals, the the uh, 49ers, the um, the Ravens have, or the Ravens won in 2012. I guess they were happy with that. Um, the 49ers, I said, there's one other team I was just thinking of, the Steelers. The Steelers haven't won since Big Ben was really young, but he was always in the playoffs no matter what. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers, they won the one early on, but haven't won in the last 10, 15 years. The Rams were in danger of becoming a team like that, so they kind of put all their chips in on that final year, and they knew they were going to suck regardless of what they did in 2022 or 2021, so they went for it, and they worked. They were the one team that it worked for. For the Bears, no, I wouldn't sign up for just one Super Bowl and them suck for the next 50 years because that's basically what happened in 1985 when they won the Super Bowl that year. And then things started to slowly but surely decline from there. And Dick had problems. And Jim McMahon said he'd rather play for the Packers than the Bears. You know, Walter Payton finished out his career 
Um, it's just one of those things. I'd rather it be built the right way and they can kind of become, they could kind of start building what Cincinnati's been doing, right? They drafted Joe Burrow. There were some growing pains early on or Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars growing pains early on this year. They've taken a big step next year. Their schedules are AF because they have to play the bills, the chiefs and the Bengals. It's going to be tough to repeat again, you know, as the AFC South champions. But you know, if Trevor Lawrence is what we think he is, then they might be able to pull it off. It's building it the right way and then eventually being able to compete for multiple Super Bowls. Winning the Super Bowl is very, very difficult. The team that's the model in the NFL for me right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. They got the one, and they've been in it every year since they've been in the AFC Championship game. They dethroned the Patriots as the best team in the AFC, and now there are lots of other teams in there in that mix with them. For me, for the Bears, that's the route I would go. I think they can wholeheartedly go on and you know build this thing the right way and potentially get multiple Super Bowls out of it or at least let's start by freaking making the playoffs as a wild card seed at the bare minimum and then we could start talking to me about you know being the NFC North champion I don't think this division has the brightest future of all time in fact this might surprise some people and you know I've been on this for a couple months now the Detroit Lions are a scarier threat to me in the long term than the Minnesota Vikings or the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are on the decline. Aaron Rodgers might be done. We don't know. Well, you know, as long as he's there, they're a threat, in my opinion. He could, you know, play well into his 40s if he wanted to, I would assume. But the Vikings, they won every game by one score this year. They had a 30 point comeback. If you reversed every game that was a one score game from a win to a loss or a loss to a win, their record would be like three and 14, something crazy like that. Is it sustainable going into next year? I think the Lions showed a lot of heart this year, and I, I'm enjoying their coach so far, and we'll see if they keep building through the draft and whatnot. But the Bears long term, I actually like what they're building as of right now. So I would agree with you that I would rather the long. That's my long way of saying I would take the long, the long approach. Yeah. And by the way, uh, kudos to you, because before uh, the first snap of the season, you were saying this Chicago Bears team is the absolute worst in the NFL because you were looking at the talent that was assembled, and you correctly assessed that. I remember having you on one of our shows, and we were all presenting rosy pictures about things, and you were like, hey, you guys are making a good argument. But really, deep down inside, you knew it because you said it a number of times before that show and after that show that the Bears just did not have the talent to compete, and you were absolutely right. And since then, they actually made their their, their talent less with the uh, trading away of uh, uh, Roquan. And so... Kudos to you on that, and I agree with your assessment. I think the Detroit Lions are the biggest target, you know, and so for for Ryan Poles, he has got to look at that roster, and he's got to start asking questions. What do I need to add to this team that can beat that team? Because that team is is has been designed for long-term success, and if they, you know, if some of the young players that they've brought in uh, play to expectations and their veteran quarterback can play well for another two or three years and then they groom uh him, his successor this that Detroit Lions could have a decade or more of success Super Bowl champions I wouldn't I don't I don't know if I'd go there because it's again it's Detroit and so win <laughs> a playoff game first Detroit <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I, I agree with your assessment on that and I and I hope uh that Ryan Poles 
gets lucky because a lot of times when you're acquiring players, it's, you know, do they stay healthy? Uh, do they, you know, all of a sudden go through a personality transplant and become egotistical when, when in college they were model citizens? All, all those things that are beyond your control have a, an impact on his decisions. So let's hope he makes sound decisions. He gets lucky and that this team is on the right path. And we can see that as early as the 2023 season. Absolutely. And he has to be careful because there is a division rival picking in the top five, although it's not their own pick. The Rams were so bad this year that the pick from Matthew Stafford ended up going to Detroit, ended up being better than Detroit's first round pick, which nobody would have ever presumed that would happen. One of the things I was wrong about this year was the Rams being, you know, a competitive team once again after winning the Super Bowl last year. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL and Stafford was injured for most of the year. And, you know, now we know Sean McVay might be leaving for a little while. We'll see if he ends up coming back. But I, I just think there's there's plenty of ways things to be worried about. You don't want one of those if the, one of those quarterbacks falls to Detroit and maybe the the same old Lions, you know, mantra finally starts to turn a little bit. I mean, we've seen it turn for teams in sports. The Cubs won the World Series. Okay, the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. All these teams that were quote-unquote cursed, they, they found ways to turn it around, and sometimes you end up looking foolish if you think that a team's just going to continue to bang their head into a wall for 100 straight years. Eventually, you'd think the Lions figure it out. I hope the Bears freaking figure it out at some point. But the Lions, if they draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud with the fourth overall pick, if one of them falls to them, because I certainly think the Cardinals aren't going to draft a quarterback. I don't think they have the balls because they paid uh, Kyler Murray all that money. And the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields. That's two and three or two out of the top four not picking a quarterback. One of those two can fall to the Detroit Lions, and they could just have him back up Matthew Stafford and learn the ways of playing in the NFL under a guy who's been to a Super Bowl. I love making fun of Jared Goff. I think he's a big old goofy goober. But at the same time, he's won games. He knows how to play well and be successful and be a model type of player in the league. And a guy, a young guy coming in can learn from that. So I, I would be wary of those Detroit Lions. I do want to ask you, if for some reason, and most people project they're going to trade the pick, I know, the Colts are in the mix. They could use a quarterback at number one overall. I think they love Bryce Young out of Alabama. I don't know what they're going to do with their coach. Um, obviously, a team like the Raiders has you know, made it clear that they're going to move on from Derek Carr, and they might trade uh, DeAndre, not DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, which DeAndre Hopkins might get traded too. But, you know, all these teams are looking up to take a quarterback. If the Bears, for some reason, were set on a player in the draft that they wanted to select first overall, is there anybody that comes to mind? Wow, that's a tough one for me. I, I'm really uh, been pulling my hair out uh, thinking about this because, again, I feel like there isn't a single player who is worthy of that number one overall pick. But based on what I know to this date, I think that the obvious pick would be to get that disruptive three-tech defensive lineman, and that's Jalen Carter. Carter, you know, uh, in this postseason, he put up some – tape that wasn't exactly the most impressive, but when he plays to his capability, this guy is an incredibly disruptive force. He can take on two, sometimes even three tackle uh, uh, offensive linemen and push them into the quarterback's face that will allow for disruption of the opposing team's passing game and will allow the edge uh, rushers to get there and get and get sacks. This guy is a phenomenal player. 
the, the knocks on him seems to be that he takes some time off, that he could perhaps be in better shape. We'll see if all that is true as we go through this next this process of seeing players at the combine, seeing players at their professional day workouts uh, and, and that stuff. So I do have a little bit of hesitancy about dedicating the number one overall draft pick. I would prefer that they trade. And if they trade down, Carter might even be there at the fourth pick, uh, which would be, to me, much better value. Um, but to answer your question, Jalen Carter is the first foremost because the importance of that three tech. You you totally, totally set up that defensive scheme that Matt Eberfuss has. You set it up to succeed because when you have that inside pass rush and you complement it with some good outside pass rushers, that is the key to having disruption and totaling up uh, turnovers. And uh, and that's the model for this defense. You need that uh, three tech. And, and Jalen Carter right now is the best guy coming out of college, according to my sources and people that I trust. There are some people who don't agree, for instance, uh, Silvera, I don't think he has him as the number one uh, defensive tackle, but for the most part, the majority of analysts uh, think Carter is the guy. I've seen Carter and then, of course, Will Anderson Jr. from the University of Alabama as kind of like the one-two punch for the draft that aren't quarterbacks. Do you have a, you know, a bias against Will Anderson Jr., or do you think he'd be a good if they trade back? Let's say they trade back to four with the Colts. I believe it's the Colts at four. And they, Will Anderson Jr. falls on their lap because Stroud goes to the Texans, Bryce Young goes to the Colts, who would then be number one. And then let's say the Arizona Cardinals take uh, Jalen Carter. If Will Anderson Jr. is sitting there at four, are you for or against a guy like that? I think you have to take Will Anderson then because he's got premier pass rushing skills. My only concern with him is that he does seem better suited for a 3-4 defense. The guy has will have to go through a bit of a transformation in the NFL. Uh, he's got to be, you know, told you, you're going to put your hand down in the dirt and your job is to go get that quarterback. I'm sure that's something he would like. He'll have to uh, – some more weight, uh, uh, get some more muscle on him, but he's got all the athletic skills to be a very, very productive defensive end in a four-three. But there will, will fans will have to be patient because he plays a lot standing up. Sometimes you know he's he gets dropped into coverage a lot. He would be much more for that. Um, uh, Vic Fangio type defense the Bears used to run, as opposed to the one currently being run by Eberflus. But if Will Anderson Jr. was a member of the Chicago Bears. Tr trust me, I will not be crying. I will be very happy. <laughs> yes, that would be interesting if they took one of those two, whether it be with the first overall pick. I don't think it's going to be, but we'll see how that all ends up. Do you think – so if they do stay in like the top upper echelon of the 2023 draft, people only talk about defensive players for them, but really helping grow Justin Fields' game is what a lot of people believe should be the top priority. Do you think trading back even further than that and maybe going for a wide receiver and then, you know, maybe making a trade for a DeAndre Hopkins or I know Devontae Adams is on the wrong side of 30 now in terms of sports, but, you know, there are a couple other guys available. Where, where do you stand on improving the offense? Oh, well, I think it all starts up front, you know, and I was hoping to see uh, more progression from some of the guys in the offensive line for the Bears so that we could lower the priorities, uh, the priority in terms of 
player acquisition for the offseason, but I'm convinced now that the defensive line and the offensive line are the highest priorities with wide receiver being next. Now, the thing with the offensive line is there's some really solid candidates for offensive line that can be considered absolutely must get guys in the middle of the first round, late in the first round, and even as high as the second round. So players will be there to help this Bears offensive line. Plus, you you see what's available in free agency. There aren't tons of guys available, but there are some. And so, you know, if, if Ryan Poles wants to really help Justin Fields, he's got to acquire an offensive lineman, a veteran offensive lineman, might have to overpay for him a, a little bit, but that will be fine because you're you're protecting your franchise quarterback, and then you've got to draft one of these offensive linemen in the middle of the first round if you're trading down, or uh, at the very least target that person, uh, that offensive lineman in the second round. So it's it's high high priority. We also have to have our fingers crossed that this trade of for the wide receiver Chase Claypool is going to work out. And I think there's still a, a much more of a chance that it, that it will than that it, that it won't because the guy is supremely gifted as an athlete. The guy has had success in the National Football League, particularly in his rookie year, and he just needs time to get acclimated with the offense that gets he runs and get acclimated with his quarterback. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm less worried to be honest with you, about the wide receiver position than I am offensive line and defensive line. Yeah, and Chase Claypool, when he had Ben Roethlisberger, even though it was a shell-of-himself version of Ben Roethlisberger, I think he had a, a lot of success in the NFL, as you point out. When he was receiving passes from Mitchell Trubisky and then like a growing Kenny Pickett and a growing Justin Fields, all of a sudden he starts his production starts falling off a little bit and people want to know why. I'm like, you know why. You know exactly why. I don't get the. I don't understand the disdain for, towards Chase Claypool. Would I have given up a two for a wide receiver that may or may not work? I don't know if, in hindsight, but it's not like he's had Tom Brady throwing him the ball or anything like that lately. He's had a guy who is still working on his passing game in Justin Fields, and then the carousel that was the Trubisky Pickett situation in Pittsburgh earlier this season. And so I, I don't know. I just I don't see necessarily a long-term issue with Chase Claypool. I hope that as Justin Fields develops his game, Claypool will be able to adjust it adjust it right there with him. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask you about the Bears in general is Justin Fields had a lot of growing pains this season, and he is what drives the future of this team in a lot of people's opinion. There are people talking about trading him you know, and taking one of the quarterbacks. I don't know if I'm with that at all. I'm not sure that Stroud or Bryce Young will be better than Justin Fields at any point in their career. I'm I'm, I'm sold on him as a runner and a playmaker. I do believe there were plays this year where I'm like, okay, he can make a pass. And it just wasn't as frequent as some people might like to see. But, it, the, again, you pointed out the offensive line was terrible. He had no one to throw to on a regular basis, especially once Darnell Mooney went down for the year. Um, what did you make of his rookie season? Do you think he can improve and be a good dual threat? Obviously, we know about the run game. He almost broke Lamar Jackson's record, but if he could start being a more accurate passer and using that ability more often, he could be a, a legit passer in the NFL. What did you make of his season? This is the one topic that I sometimes am reluctant to talk about because I know that I'm going to get death threats just for suggesting that Justin Fields can improve in a certain area. Let me preface 
this by saying I love Justin Fields. I have high hopes that he is going to be the franchise quarterback that I have been praying for since I was a kid. I mean, we haven't had one. If you you want to argue Jim McMahon was the franchise quarterback? Well, frankly, he didn't have the numbers to really say that. Yes, he was franchise. He helped us win a Super Bowl and so forth. But let's be honest. It was the defense that won the, that 1985 Super Bowl. Uh, Jim McMahon was, was lower on that priority list. But to answer your question, Justin Fields, as a passer, still needs to work on things tremendously. Yes, again, you can cite the offensive line. Yes, again, you can cite uh, wide receivers uh, who, uh, you know, were getting acclimated with the system, who aren't good enough outside of the first two guys, Mooney and Claypool. You can cite a lot of reasons. But when I look at the tape and I see that he is missing out on obvious wide open receivers that he's holding on to the ball too long and therefore the sack total the record sack total that he experienced this year i think it was 55 times he was sacked half of those might have been on him or and or you know yeah half of them were, were on him there's no doubt in my mind that he had a lot to do with his own problems and the problems he he made the problems of the offensive line and the wide receivers even worse because he the game is still too fast for him he's got to make quicker decisions he's got to get rid of the ball he's got to either run faster but at the same time you want him to be patient and wait for things to develop how do you do that? You just have to have more pocket awareness and you have to have trust in the offensive lineman. So if you're telling me, well, he didn't trust the offensive lineman, I understand that. Absolutely. If I had to sit there and 300 pound guys are coming at, at me and the guys that are blocking, you know, I don't have the most confidence in, yeah, I, you know, I'd be making tons of mistakes too. But the bottom line is this, he still has a way to improve as a passer in the National Football League. And the only way that the Chicago Bears organization can help expedite that is the same way the Philadelphia Eagles did for Jalen Hurts, who after two seasons, fans in Philadelphia are wondering, is he really our franchise quarterback? I don't like him. Can we get this? And uh, Tua Tunga Vialoa, who, again, after his first two seasons, people were saying, this guy is a bust. But they got those two young quarterbacks, premier weapons at the wide receiver positions, and solidified the offensive line and uh, Jalen is a candidate for the MVP. He won't win it, of course, because of Patrick Mahomes. And Tua had a bounce-back season and proved naysayers, like me, because I thought Tua was going to be a bust, but that Tua can play at a very high level in the National Football League. And his biggest challenge, by the way, now is concussions, not uh, not his playing ability. So let's get Justin Fields the weapons that he needs, Let's and let's hope that he himself makes that progression uh, based on uh, the supporting cast that's going to be put around him. One last thing, uh, uh, Vinny, I hate to pontificate here, but, you know, everybody is talking. you got to look into uh, trading Justin if possible. Any good uh, leader of any good organization is going to look at that possibility and weigh it, you know. This should be a meeting with all the coaching staffs and maybe even bring in some, some people who are quarterback gurus and look at every inch of tape available from Justin Fields this past season and discuss why didn't this work? Why didn't he see this? Have really intense discussions so that way you can make a better decision on how he projects to be in 2023 and beyond. This has to be a really uh, important decision about the quarterback. 
I personally am not willing to give up on him, but I also personally think that these discussions should go on. And for people with a higher brain power about quarterbacking at me than me should be making that decision or advising uh, the general manager about the future of Justin Fields in Chicago. I couldn't agree more. The smartest teams in the league are always willing to think about what it is going to take to improve the organization as a whole. You, you see the Chiefs, they were like, okay, Tyreek Hill, we got to trade him. Okay, we're going to find a way to be the highest scoring offense without him then. You know, we'll figure out different schemes. They're less of a big threat type of team now, but they were still the highest scoring team in the league to the point where they were so confident that they could do a ring around the rosy type of play and make fun of everyone while they're doing it. And listen, I respect that. You know, the, the Chiefs have earned being able to do that without me being angry. If the Bears tried to pull off something like that, I'd be like, really, dude, get out of the huddle, go to the offensive line and shut up. Until you prove to me that you're worthy, excuse me, of doing those kinds of things, I think that's something that, you know, is good and the Chiefs have earned that. And they that's because they reevaluate themselves every offseason and say, hey, how can we get better? Is our offensive line protecting Mahomes enough? No? Okay, we'll bring in this guy. Uh, they brought in Orlando. What's his name? I forget his name. Brown. Um, Brown. Orlando Brown. And, you know, Tyreek Hill. He's gone. We'll find ways to score without him. The defense is always improving. Oh, Patrick Mahomes, he makes a lot of money now. We're going to have to get creative on, you know, certain situations. And they have. And, you know, that's what we want the Bears to become. So, like you said, when it comes to the idea of – drafting another quarterback or moving on from fields listen it's probably not going to happen i don't necessarily want that to happen but it's got to everything has to be on the table every single off season um skyler said if a team wanted to trade a first and several other picks i would definitely be open to trading him yes i would they would have to be ready to select you know a bryce young or something with their picks this year i that would have to be part of the the plan in my opinion because you can't go into 2023 with this revamped roster without a quarterback at all but, you know, that's just where I stand on the whole thing. Aldo, before we move on, I want to know, going into wildcard weekend, I'm going to put you on a spot here. What is your Super Bowl prediction? Ooh, baby. Well, for me, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of how the Kansas City Chiefs have built their organization. Um, and so they're probably my favorite, you know, you – uh, teams that make it to the postseason, one of the things you look at first and foremost is who has the better quarterback. And there probably is not a better quarterback in the NFL than uh, Patrick Mahomes. Anybody want to argue with me on that? Go right ahead. I know Josh Allen would be a close second, but I do think that Mahomes is the better quarterback. Now, of course, you need the weapons around them, and he does have the weapons. And so uh, the Bills, I think Buki Nation uh, in the chat says the Bills. The Bills have to be considered, you know, 1A to, or 1B, however you do that, uh, to, to the Chiefs. And over at the NFC, uh, I, I think it's going to be the Eagles coming out to the Super Bowl. So it'll probably be uh, the Chiefs and the Eagles playing in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs uh, winning their second Super Bowl with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Wow, Aldo, you have half the same prediction as me that I said on Bar Down Talking Hockey yesterday when we were in the third period talking about the NFL. I went with the 49ers, and, you know, Brock, no rookie has ever led their team to the Super Bowl, and you like a true first-year rookie. And so if Brock Purdy were to do that with the 49ers this year, I think uh, that'd be something interesting to watch. And they've played in the Super Bowl relatively recently. That was two Super Bowls ago where the Chiefs played the 49ers. I think that would be my most intense matchup. That's kind of what I'm rooting for. Obviously, it'd be nice to see the Jaguars make it and keep me on my toes with 
uh, black and teal for the next couple of weeks, but you know, that's not here nor there. Um, I know at the hold beginning on, of hold on. I'm sorry for, to interrupt and, and I need to update my graphic there, but you, you should not bypass that that quickly. Uh, Vinny is now the site manager for the black and teal fan sided website, which covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's another reason to make sure you follow Vinny Parisi on Twitter, because he will be linking you to his articles at Vinny Parisi. He writes about the White Sox. He writes about the Blackhawks. He writes about the NHL. He writes about his favorite hockey team, the New Jersey Devils. What else do you write about, man? Because you, you're you knocking it out of the park, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely staying busy. So the Bears and the Jaguars are the teams I cover for fan-sided. And, you know, obviously the Bears are my favorite team. So there's a little more passion filled in with that, where the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm kind of coming in with like, yeah, I'm going to start cheering for them a little bit more obviously but um i kind of come in from that with like an unbiased type of let's un analyze them from a non-biased standpoint because obviously my favorite team is the bears and then yeah my the, all the hockey teams every team in the nhl with emphasis on the devils and the blackhawks and then of course the white Sox, the cubs in addition to that so yeah it's been going really good i'm excited to connect with some jaguars fans and maybe we'll have a little jacksonville jaguars love fest if they find a way to beat the uh the Los Angeles Chargers on Saturday night. But yeah, I appreciate it. You got it, brother. That's Vinny does sensational work here. I know there's a few people who are probably joining us for the first time. Uh, and Vinny's passion for football, you just saw it here, his great questions regarding the game of football. You can see that on display in the hockey talk that he does on Wednesdays with Frank Mueller, Bardon Hockey Talk, and then uh, every Thursday at 2 p.m. here with Crosstown Crosstalk. You're always hitting it out of the park, Vinny, and I really appreciate you being a, bar a part of the Barroom Network, brother. Absolutely. I love it, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's normally a baseball show. We kind of made fun of Carlos Correa a little bit at the beginning. Next week, I'm hoping to have a Minnesota Twins uh, representative to come on and, you know, really break it down and get it going with it. But I wanted to have, you know, at once every couple months, I like to make Crosstown Crosstalk more of a sports show just as much as it is a – Black or a, a baseball show. So I think there's, you know, a good room for the Chicago Bears on this show uh, every now and then. So I'm happy Aldo was able to be a part of it with me and make sure you tune into all of Aldo's great shows that he is a part of here on the Barroom Network, including Bear Their Souls, which was just, you know, kind of relaunched a little bit this week. Um, the, obviously, the show with Mike North, Greg Gabriel, there's all sorts of things that have nothing to do with football on this network. Uh, I'm not going to say that about my shows because we talk about football even on our hockey and baseball shows. But Science Fiction, obviously, there's some uh, Chicago Bulls show, shows on this network. So it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. I can't thank you enough for coming on. And is there anything you want to say before we head off the air? Maybe promote Dan and Aldo's new show a little bit? Yeah, in fact, I'm glad that you gave me the opportunity. Nomad is one of the new members uh, on the Bear Their Soul show, and he is been, has been in the chat uh, throughout this. And he says uh, to me when I was talking about Justin Fields, uh, he says, Aldo is going to get beat down at Benny's or someplace else. And yeah, uh, that don't, Nomad, that is why I always wear a disguise when I go to Benny's. <laughs> That's the guy that said that. <laughs> no, I don't want that. But, uh, yeah, Bear Their Souls has been transformed now. We've got uh, two new cast members with Nomad and Mr. Shorty. Uh, you guys might know them from their Monday Night Show, Bears Country podcast. Now they're, they're in a part of uh, our Tuesday night lineup. It's uh, going to be sensational. The 
these guys are so passionate about the Bears and also uh, uh, know their stuff. They, they've got extra uh, in, in, insightful opinions on the Chicago Bears. And I also want to say, as you mentioned, uh, science, science Fiction is tonight at 9 p.m. and the Mac and Reed show at 6 p.m. So we've got more live, live program tonight on Thursday and a whole lot more coming throughout uh, the football offseason and leading up to baseball. South Burbs Hitman is uh, the uh, the uh, White Sox Monday night show is going to be back soon. I, you, are you ready to make a special announcement about that or uh, or we want to hold hold that information? We're holding all information right now on South Burbs Hitman, but we do have some big things planned for this upcoming season. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm also withholding for a couple more days a huge announcement on Bar Down Talking Hockey that will influence the episode next Wednesday. And that'll be the next time everybody gets a chance to see me talk a little bit of this, a little bit of hockey puck. Very much looking forward to that. And I can't thank everybody enough for joining in the chat. Nomad, it's good to hear from you. Good luck this upcoming offseason doing Bear Your Souls. I'm very excited for you in that opportunity, obviously, to Skyler and to Dave C. And to a couple other people, King Pookie in the chat. We love you guys very much. Sam Rush, thank you very much for joining. To everybody watching who didn't comment, we can't thank you enough. Aldo and I are so grateful for your time. And as always, go Bears, go White Sox. I'm sure there are a couple people out there saying go Cubs. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs> Another happy landing.